0: This hour is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10-2-2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
1: I think the, the three-point rate, we do admit that, you know, we're one of the last teams in the league. However, we capitalize and and we have a lot of good uh you know good shooters uh we just don't generate enough i mean shooting is one of the things we're going to look at
0: we're gonna look we're, at shooting. We're, we'll, we'll look at it the whole shooting thing okay i i guess i guess and fine. shooting
2: three pointers then instead right. of two pointers yeah because just three pointers count more then two pointer.
0: Darnell Mayberry is on Twitter at Darnell Mayberry, the Bulls' Senior Writer for the Athletic, and the founder and author of Money Talks. It's his new Substack, Moneytalks One O one dot He joins us on the score hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Just read your piece, Darnell, that just posted, and I I just I I I don't I don't get it. I'm I'm I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what Arturis Karnaschovas sees that we don't.
1: The cash register is ringing. I mean, at some point, you just got to say that these guys are comfortable printing money, and it feels like that's what it is. This is my sixth season covering this team. They've tried to make uh, efforts to improve. They've been hilariously bad at times. They've been uh, unfortunate at other times, but to do nothing when it's been clear for more than a year now that this isn't it—that's ba- that's borderline mal- malpractice.
2: I'm with you on this, Darnell, because I I I'm looking at yesterday and then hearing our tourist today and him talking about how there were so many buyers. Then how can you find a deal? Like it, it, it just I, hearing him talk about it left me shaken as far as my confidence on whether he can do the
1: job. At some point, I have to look above him. You know, what is he being told is his job? You know, is he doing his job to, to his boss's liking? And, you know, it, it might be beyond Artur's kind of show. He has to be the guy who comes out and takes the bullets, just like Billy Donovan throughout the season when we're all waiting for Arturis to come out Billy is the one who's got to take those bullets and, and the players uh, after each game, but maybe we need to look higher and say, and I know people, long time fans of this franchise have done that for years. Uh, but, but this seems like, you know, a point where you just say you thought they were headed in the right direction with a new regime in the front office. And here we are talking about the same things, the same inactivity, the same confusing um, decisions that that this franchise continues to make.
2: When you looked at the the trade activity around the NBA, were where did you think there might be opportunities
1: for the Bulls to do something different? Everywhere, and that that was sort of the point of my piece today at the Athletic was that doing nothing was the absolute worst decision they could they could have literally done anything and it would have been better than doing nothing. They could have been buyers uh, and, and potentially overpaid. I could understand that if you think that you really have a chance to contend this year. Well, if that's the case, then make a move. No one else thinks that, so then why not look to sell, especially if the market uh, was filled with buyers? So there was an opportunity or should have been an opportunity, presumably, to sell off some of your assets. So um, there were just incredible uh, this was an incredible opportunity missed by the Bulls.
0: I wrote down so many of the things that made me mad, and I did it in, in mm-hmm. the reason I did it was in some way to sub to uh, sublimate my anger. To so maybe if I wrote it down, you I, were like journaling. I, I'd be I'd be less mad if I wrote it down. But what really got me, Darnell, was when he said he talked about resiliency and improvement, staying in a lot of games losing close games, and then he said, I'm disappointed that our record doesn't show that improvement. And I thought, you know, there's another conclusion you can draw then. If you look at the record and it doesn't show the improvement that you think is there,
1: maybe it's not. It's not, and that's what I wrote. I mean, he didn't just sound tone deaf. I mean, he is out there admitting disappointment when he should have been admitting defeat. this is a failed experiment and everyone can see that the players in the locker room can see that and feel that, you know, they're not coming out and saying it, but with 27 games left, especially after performances, like you saw last night, uh, you know, what, what's stopping them from at some point, just jumping off the cliff and saying enough of this, you know, some of these guys probably thought they weren't going to be here after, after last night. So, um, You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing continues to spiral. Some guys start to come out and and, and really air their their feelings. I've been wondering a lot about
2: Zach Levine and what his relationship is with the rest of that locker room and the coach and and the coach, especially after what happened at the beginning of the year. How true uh, of uh, according to the people that you talked to around the league were the conversations between the Bulls and the Knicks on Levine?
1: From everything I heard, it was more of the Knicks and other teams making calls on the on Levine uh, to the Bulls instead of the Bulls making calls uh, about Levine. But, you know, I think all of the reports that, that we saw, so, to my understanding, are true that, that that Zach is not the mainstay that, you know, some might think he is. And, and I know that it sounds obvious to, to the Levine haters out there or just critics out there, but he might not be long for Chicago. If this so much smoke was out there yesterday with him and the Knicks that I think they're they're going to naturally revisit that in the summer if you know all goes well for both franchises, everyone keeps their health and everything like that uh, but but I wouldn't rule it out, but a lot can happen in these last twenty seven games. So how did it get this
2: way? How, how does one go from being someone that an organization wants to give a max contract to? Without Zach being like he's a good citizen, he's, he's not out here doing like Kyrie Irving stuff. So, how does one get to be a max player seven months ago and now a guy that they're going to trade?
1: One, he earned it. I, I, I have to say that. He, he did earn it. And two, are we sure that the Bulls wanted to give him that max contract? Uh, you know, maybe they were forced or felt forced into giving it to him. Simply to prolong the asset, that is the, life, the, 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 the lifespan of the, the contract of Zach Levine. Um, you know, they can parlay that into something else, as we saw with the rumors yesterday, and, and that's just smart business. So, um, you know, that's what I thought they were going to try to do with Nikola Vucevic yesterday, uh, and they didn't. So we're going to see what they do this summer. But you know, it, it's not a guarantee that they signed Zach Levine to that max deal to keep him all five years. They can always trade him.
0: It was you wrote about Vucevic, you said although AK voiced confidence in the Bulls' chances of re-signing him, it doesn't take much thought to deem it unlikely. Why do you think it's unlikely?
1: He's the third banana on a bad team. He can go do that anywhere and potentially get paid more money than the Bulls would be willing to offer him. So uh, that's his perspective. You look at it from the Bulls' perspective, why would they want to commit to a center who has defensive liabilities that we've all talked about ad nauseum? So uh, it just doesn't seem like the best fit. Uh, Vucevic does a ton of things well for this team. Uh, I know Arturis Karnachovs loves what he brings offensively and as a connector in the offense. Uh, but but there are some deficiencies that this team really struggles to overcome. Uh, some of that is Vucevic. Some of that is some of that is their perimeter defense or lack thereof. But you couple all of that together, and I just don't see it as a slam dunk that he's going to resign. Darnell, are you a baseball fan at all? I used to be. Uh, contracts got out of control. Players start moving like crazy, and, and I just can't find a team to wrap my hands around. All right. Well, I, I just wanted to to, to
2: make a, uh, a reference, and I wanted to make sure at least you get it. I When I watch the Bulls play, I feel like I'm watching a baseball team that's all about sacrifice bunting. And getting the runner moved over. They're trying to win games three to two or four to three. And meanwhile, the rest of the league is like, we're going to hit bombs. When I watch them, and last night was so indicative of how they lose games, where this Brooklyn team hadn't even been together and they were like, we're just going to keep shooting threes. And the Bulls are like, well, we'll just keep shooting twos and missing our threes do they do the bulls as an organization understand that their offense is
1: kind of antiquated first off i appreciate the baseball reference it is one that i can understand and maybe i'm outdating myself here because i'm the same way in basketball uh where i wish we saw that more in baseball these days we don't see that as much and we don't see the 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 old school traditional style of of playing basketball working anymore and you're you're hitting the nail on the head, and the Bulls keep bumping their head against the brick wall trying to win uh, trading threes with twos, and it's just not, it's not an effective formula. Uh, they have to address the shooting. They have to address the playmaking on this team, and until they do, they're going to continue to be at the wrong end of a numbers game.
2: It, it was funny because when we're sitting there in the room with Pop on Monday, I, I joked with Dan about this, and I'm using a word that's loaded for a reason. I feel like DeMar got radicalized by pop and he he felt emboldened to continue about his game of being a, a two-point specialist, a guy that's an efficient two-point scorer when I'm like, come on, man. Like, it happened twice last night where I'm like, DeMar, if you took a half a step back First quarter, he made one yes. from the corner. We're like, all right, do I Ugh, it's, it's a, a two take. because his feet are on the line. It's like just take a half step back and take the same
1: shot. I love that you're leading the discharge, Lawrence. Don't don't let it go. All right, good. I I cause I just feel like it's come on,
2: man. Like if he were to shoot more threes, the geometry on the floor would just be better and it might make their offense overall better. And I struggle with who to place the blame on. Is it the player for being stubborn? And obviously I've pointed that out. Is it the coach for not telling him, because Billy basically told me two weeks ago that he's not going to tell DeMar to change his game? Is it the front office for not recognizing that this is the player that he is? Like I don't know what to do, but I know in every game I walk away so frustrated. And last night was, was just the zenith of it. It was everything that you hate
1: a, about the Bulls. national
2: TV yes! called out in real time by
0: the color broadcaster as it's happening.
1: That's why something's got to change, and it's such a disappointment—or you know, disappointment to say the least—that the Bulls didn't do anything. I mean, it's 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 uh, unfathomable that they didn't. Everyone can see it. National broadcasters, uh, the fan base here in Chicago, the fan base nationally, globally, uh, and yet. They're going to ride it out.
2: When you're in that locker room talking to these guys about how the last, let's say the last hundred games have gone for for this Bulls team, what's been the most real reaction you've gotten from them?
1: I'd probably say Goran Dragic. I don't know if this is answering your question specifically, Lawrence, but Gron Dragic, after that Minnesota game, heard around the league, um, you know, when he came out, and I got it on video, it's on my Twitter, you know, where he said, they're not playing for each other. And he's made some comments that haven't been captured on camera since that, uh, you know, he's just, I think, as the veteran, the oldest player on the team, uh, he's able to voice his frustrations in a different way than everyone else. You know, he's, he doesn't have that much time left. And at this point, he's wasting his time uh, trying to get some, some guys to understand things that they're clearly not grasping. And, and I think when he said that in Minnesota, that we're not playing for each other, I quote, you know, that was the, the moment where it was clear that they were tired of the way that they were performing and someone needed to say something.
2: I, you answered my question perfectly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I was looking for.
0: Tell us about your Substack, about this new effort, this this new project
2: of Oh, I love what he's doing with this, Dan. This is a this is this is exactly what someone should be doing in exploring new media. So, I'm sorry Darnell, I'll get out of the way and let you explain what it is you're doing.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate that Lawrence and thanks for asking, Dan. It's it's called Money Talks. It's at Substack uh moneytalks101.substack.com. It's a passion project an independent project that I'm doing um aside from the athletic Uh, This is Solo. Uh, It's just me and my my nine-year-old daughter. We want to uh, chronicle our pursuit of financial freedom and get off the treadmill of living check-to-check and and, and just being a hyper-consumer. You know, we want to reshape our our mindset with money and revamp our approach to earning and saving and spending and investing. So uh, there's a lot that we haven't been taught. There's a lot that I want to teach my daughter so that she will have the information and can pass it on to her children. And so, what we want to do is is try to learn and grow, and help others to learn and grow with us.
0: That's great, and when it comes from a real place like that, that's when you know there could be real high quality stuff and 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 some dedicated stuff that I think will resonate with your readers.
1: Appreciate that, Dan. It's a again, uh, you know, it's a passion project, and it's something that that I wish I was taught earlier in life, and and now here I am. Um, you know, midlife learning it and and having to learn the hard way, unfortunately. And I just, I know that there's so many that can benefit and not have to go through what what I went through and, and, and so many others have to go through.
0: I'd also say kudos to The Athletic for allowing you to do it because I know there are some employers out there that would come down real hard and say, no, 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 you write stuff, we own it. If they're letting you own that under your own auspices, it's either solid negotiating on your part or uh, some sensitivity on their part, but that, it's cool to see that.
1: Yeah, it's it's I'm I'm incredibly fortunate to work for such a great company, uh, the Athletic, and and you know they they gave me the green light to pursue this, and um, you know it's just a great company. They they allow me to write <laughs> for the Athletic with voice as I did today, uh, and 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 to also dive into this passion project of mine. So so I'm incredibly. Lucky to to work for such a great company.
0: Very cool. It is Money Talks101 at Substack.com and it's authored by our guest Darnell Mayberry. Darnell, thanks. Have a great Super Bowl weekend.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.
0: Darnell Mayberry, Bull's senior writer for the Athletic. His colleague, their senior college football writer, Andy <laughs> Staples, yo, wrote a thing. <laughs> if you've never heard the name Jaden Rashada, you should know it because he is in the middle of a a post-post modern college football
2: uh, learning experience. Yeah, this is um we're in a whole new frontier and we hear coaches complain about it, but I'm not sure that anyone in college athletics really understands or is or or is still trying to figure out how they can benefit from name image and likeness and even the student athletes themselves i i think there's some struggle here and, and andy does a great job of detailing all of the conversations that are going on with one of the highest prospects that has been out here and this whirlwind tour that he went on to end up at the place where he ended up we'll discuss that with andy next here on the score
1: Bernstein at Holmes, Middays
0: 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
2: Were there times in the year you didn't think this was possible? Uh, no, I never thought it wasn't possible. It was just, you know, what it took to get there. It's never really about the destination, it's just about the journey. Yeah. So, you know, you always got to, you know, question things, like put the pressure on yourself of what you could do better.
1: Well, the
0: pressure's been on that man, Jaden Rashada, at 19 years old. That was in December after leading Pittsburgh to victory in the California Interscholastic Federation State Division 1A Bowl Game Championship. (gasps) And he has been the subject of some bidding and some bidding that seemed real that might not have been real. And it was Florida and it was Miami and then it fell through and then he ended up at Arizona State. That was the day we actually had the conversation with Herm Edwards was the day we saw that he ended up at Arizona State. Well, Andy Staples and Stuart Mandel wrote about this for The Athletic. Andy Staples is on Twitter at Andy underscore Staples and he's with us now. On the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Andy? How are you?
3: How you doing? Oh, was that Circa? Yeah. Not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, doing a uh, doing
2: a radio hit. Saw that Stadium Swim thing. That's... it's a it's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah! Yeah, we got some good friends who working in that Visa booth down there. It's a it's a fun yeah. time for sure. Before we get into the weeds a little bit on this, Andy. Would you mind just kind of, if you can briefly summarize how Rashada's how his recruiting has gone?
3: Oh, it's it's quite a story. It's 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 wild tale. You know, he he came out as as one of the higher rated quarterbacks in the class of twenty twenty three, and and you know was not as sought after as say Arch Manning who who wound up at Texas or. Uh, Nico Layava, who ended up at Tennessee, but was was one of the guys that a lot of the schools were interested in, and but he got hooked in with a, an attorney named Mike Caspino, out in California, who had done the deal for for Nico with Tennessee, and that, it, that which had kind of set the market, and it was a, a an above market deal, it wasn't like any of the other deals, but it's it seemed like they were trying to get Jaden a deal like this or something that would reset the market. And it suddenly became basically every, every stop on the recruiting trail was okay. Who's going to give us the biggest bag. And that turned a lot of schools off, but there were some that were still, still in the hunt and it really came down to Miami and Florida in June. He ends up going with Miami and everybody knew there was, there was some sort of NIL aspect to it component to it there was a, a report at the time that he'd done a four-year nine and a half million dollar deal with Miami now we never got anybody we checked back then and nobody ever said that was true nobody and then we checked again this time and John Ruiz who runs the, the big Miami collective is like I signed a an NDA so I can not tell you what the exact amount was but I can tell you it wasn't anywhere near that and so but I, I think somebody might have believed it and so you get to November, and Florida's still trying to get some recruiting buzz. And you know, somebody, I don't know who, says, I will back this contract and tells the Gator Collective, which is one of the collectives that, that serves Florida, hey, you write the contract, we'll back it, and we'll have a deal. And the numbers were Just so out of whack. We have the contract, and it's four years, $13.85 million. That's $250,000 less than Kenny Pickett got in his rookie contract as the only first-round quarterback in the draft last year. Like It's insane. But it wasn't real. It wasn't real because whoever had said they were going to pay for it, suddenly it was like, nope, never mind, I'm not paying for that. Maybe they came to their senses, or maybe they never actually said they would. But I know that the collective, which is the, you know, the side that's supposed to be the payor, they never got any sort of written confirmation that that money was going to be there. And the representation of Jaden Rashada, which he had different agents at this point, they never bothered to to make sure that was real. And so it just fell apart. There was a five hundred thousand dollar payment due on December fifth, and the collective just terminated the contract because they were like, "Well, we can't pay this." And whoever said they were going to pay is not paying.
2: So so now he ends up at Arizona State, which is where his dad played, right? So the, yeah. there's that connection and they have been recruiting him too. I I guess it I, I want to zoom out into the the macro a little bit on this because I'm like, wow, you know, Dan is actually a parent of a kid who's getting ready to go to college. I'm mm-hmm. trying to put myself in that space of I, it's like I would also now have to be an expert on NIL before I would send my child anywhere with a deal, uh, with an NIL well, deal. I
3: mean, it depends. It, it, did Dan shop his son to the highest bidder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, it, it, it kinda, I'd be the one paying for something to take him away. Yeah, it kind of depends on the parent's priorities here. Like, yeah, my, mine's going to be like, hey, how, how much are you, you going to make sure I pay less? <laughs> when, when these kids go to school, that's, that's, that's what I care about. Just yeah. Get me down to zero. I don't care if I get on the plus end. Just get get me all out of the minus territory. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, but but if you are but if you are in the space where you can get into the plus territory, what are the pitfalls that are out there for these these young people and their parents? Well, just common sense would help a little bit.
3: Like a little bit of common sense with this one. Like when somebody offers you a deal that is so far above, like Caleb Williams the returning Heisman Trophy winner at USC, who is going to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft, he's not getting anywhere near that. So if he's not getting, you're not, you don't deserve that. So that contract, you should be kind of sniffing the
2: air and being like, something feels wrong here. Right, but that's this only, too, but that's only if true. you have an understanding of the marketplace and some financial yeah. literacy.
3: No, basic common sense would do that. And, and remember, these people's job has been the recruitment of this kid for the last nine months. They have, they have knowledge of the marketplace. I just think you see those numbers on a contract, you're like, oh, where do I sign? Well, but- I, 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 I think at some point somebody was like, well, they don't want this to get out and get embarrassed by this, so they're, they're going to pay. Well, no, they're not going to pay. That's a lot of money.
0: Well, there, uh, the contract isn't really a contract. That's what, what I really don't understand is how to solve this. Or if, in fact, you took out whatever that clause was, that, and I don't know who would ever say, if you actually read that deal, you, well, can, if, you would never you're sign Asian
3: it. A, if your agent is a sophomore at SMU, then he might not recognize that that clause is big enough to drive a truck through. The, the termination clause is what we're talking about. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not, that's not a contract. Yeah. In, 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 any, pink, in any in any way shape or form it's a, it's a document yeah. but it's not a contract
3: yeah it's a pinky swear as one of my uh one of my readers put it
0: so what do you do? Like, and especially because we have no direct affiliation with the universities. Right. We, we, we heard coaches yeah. saying, the amazing thing to me was a coach saying, these collectives are roving around on their own, and we're ending no, up. No, they're not. And he, we're, 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 they're, some guys, oh, right, they're saying that. They're saying <laughs> yeah, that. No, they're not. But they're not. Look, and, and yet when a coach says, well, they're.
3: There's a little wink, wink, and a nod. They're actually changing the law in the state of Florida. I, I, I don't know if our story gets a little credit for this. But in the state of Florida, they're changing the NIL law. It went through the state senate yesterday. Still needs to go through the state house, but it sounds like it'll it'll fly through there. Where now the coaches can help direct athletes to NIL deals. Because here's the thing, I, I, you know, it's pretty easy for me to figure out how much Florida's head coach Billy Napier had to do with this, at least it, on the front end of it. Where, you know, when the numbers came out, because. I don't think he knew them because if any coach in America knew those numbers, they go, nope, don't do this. This will be terrible. This will not work. Don't Please don't do this.
0: Well, I think you're burying so, the lead, Andy. I, I think the lead is okay. something that you reported caused the Florida State Legislature to actually begin to do oh, work. Lord. There was something above <laughs> and beyond the culture war of removing this books a, on black history from the,
3: schools. And listen, I, am a, I live in Florida. Okay, I can tell you college football is more important than whatever that other stuff is to most people. So that's, that's why that stuff flies through. It's actually interesting because they tried to get that, the change in the NIL bill into the legislative session last year, and they couldn't even get it to the floor. So this sort of super – because they don't want to put Florida and Florida State and Miami and UCF and USF at a disadvantage relative to the other schools. Because some of the other states have much more lax NIL laws, and it allows those schools to do a lot more. And, you know, if you, if you had the same law as Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee, probably there's enough oversight that this doesn't happen.
2: So what will happen as far as oversight over the next couple of years, because we keep hearing coaches complain about it, whether we, we, we literally had an ex-basketball coach complaining about it, on the air with, you know, with us it, earlier this yeah, week, and he doesn't that's, even that's have a team. Why his
3: next basketball coach is not a current
0: basketball coach.
2: I, th- so. That's kind of what we said to him, and and <laughs> that's why coaches are running away yeah, from Jim, the game. Jim
0: Boeheim's a current basketball coach, and he's and he's yelling at clouds. Running away,
2: they are not running away. Head coaches
3: in the SEC make you know, I don't know, between six and and twelve million dollars a year. They're not running away. To to quote Don Draper, that's what the money's for. You get paid all that money to deal with this stuff. So figure it out.
0: Let me ask you this question, Andy. If if you I know you made the joke when you're when your agent is a sophomore at SMU, that happens. Is it okay? It that happens. That's what happens. Right. But but let's but is it okay for somebody in a position when we start talking about these kinds of dollars, for Jaden Rashada to say, Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on a second here. I need Drew Rosenhaus doing this deal. You know, I need
3: Well, that's the thing. There there are agents who represent NFL players right now who are NFLPA certified, who are getting into this space. Okay. They don't, they, they don't necessarily like it, but they see the money. And they also see that if you if you get in with somebody now and they wind up being very good, then you may have them through their NFL career. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a higher level of professionalism
2: in terms of representation because these guys see there's money in this. But, but are the powers that be going to allow for that? Because of They're the, disallowed. it's allowed. It's allowed. I know. I know that it's allowed right now. But if they can't control it the way that they want to control it, oh, they can't. They can't do anything about it. You're talking about the the schools. Yeah, this is all being imposed by by, by a bunch of state
3: laws. Mm-hmm. It was taken law. out of the schools. No, there is no federal law.
0: But that's what I'm saying. But the, the Kavanaugh ruling, sort of in in, in uh, that's, a, that's a different case. That now
3: that Supreme Court ruling suggests that if the NCAA tried to make any additional rules to cap athlete compensation, if those rules came before the Supreme court, basically what, now Kavanaugh was the minority opinion and it was very explicit. Mm -hmm. But if you read what the other eight wrote, it's implicit. And it says, if one of these rules comes before us, we're going to knock it down too, because you're polluting. So, but what the NIL stuff is and why it's so confusing It started as a state law in California, all the other states passed laws, and all of a sudden you have this patchwork of of varying state laws that nobody knows what to do with. But I don't think they're going to get a federal law because the U.S. Congress has other things to do, one. And two, the schools are not going to like what some of the folks in Congress are going to slip into that thing if they do it. And so they're they're going to back off of it eventually.
0: I just wonder if we're going to get to the point where ultimately coaches wink wink through the collectives will be negotiating with agents just like essentially the professional minor league teams that they are where it's going to be you like mean, you,
3: you, what, you mean
0: they weren't already? But I mean, I mean they've been doing that they've been doing that for decades. With the street agents, right? But I mean actual accredited lawyers yeah. and agents. Now, here's, here's, here's a more likely scenario.
3: And this is not a, a you know, next year or two years from now scenario. This is a down-the-road scenario. The players are made employees at the conferences. They unionize. There's a CBA. There's a salary cap. And each school has a general manager who does that, that job.
2: How likely do you think that is?
3: I think it's very likely. Yeah, it's it's the best option for the schools to keep from getting sued over and over and over again. A CBA is the best protection against an antitrust lawsuit, and that's, that's their fear right now is they just keep losing these things, and they don't want to keep going back to court. It, it, you know, back when they had the hard and fast rules and they could unilaterally impose them before the court said this is collusion, they were like, well, we don't want them to be employees because there's all these other issues that prop up with that. All right Now there are fewer issues with them being employees than there are with them being not employees.
0: Wow, I mean, this is the the, the this, this spider web is really just incredible, and and, the, and how much we don't know is is. Well, amazing. I mean,
3: that's a, don't create a multi billion dollar business and continue to collude to cap most of your labor force's earnings, and act surprised when everybody comes to you and like you know you should probably run this like a multi billion dollar business because that's what it is.
0: I I agree. Andy, great stuff, man. And and as I've read a lot of this and and looked at a lot of the photos, one thing I noticed about Rashada is I said, that is the oldest-looking 19-year-old I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and, and, and,
1: and I'm
3: glad you mentioned that because one thing we did discover, just talking to people around him, and we tried to talk to him, but this wore on him quite a bit, and I don't think he was the one driving a lot of this. I don't think he was the one saying go get go get the most money. I, I I want the most money. I think he he had some ideas about where he wanted to go to school and maybe didn't get a chance to do that. And so that, it, it really sucks that his name has been dragged through the mud because he's the one you know he's the player. He's the one everybody talks about, but I'm not sure he wanted any of this.
0: Well, I hope he does well at Arizona State. I hope things hope things work out for him, Andy. This is this is uh, fascinating. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Andy Staples, senior college football writer
2: for The Athletic. But that last part is why I don't think that you can just dismiss it as common sense. Because he's getting pulled in so many different directions, and he's and, and listening used. to the people that have that have taken care of him his entire life. Mm-hmm. So you can say that it's just common sense, but my parents told me that this is the way that the world works. How old are you before you realize that your parents are wrong about a lot of stuff? I'm still waiting. See? So if, if your parents, who have been taking care of you and things have gone well for you, give you advice on some stuff, what are you as a 16 or 17-year-old most likely to do? Take it. Do what your parents ask you or tell you to do. So I, I, I felt like Andy was being kind of dismissive in the idea of teenagers having enough agency to look out and find someone, to go find out, to even know who Drew Rosenhaus is. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to hire an agent at 18 or 19. Of course you wouldn't have. And, and neither will any of these kids. So I hope it gets better. I Because I, I, I think that it's scary. I do like that. It's at least moving in the direction of players having some agency. But we are still talking about teenagers. And that's important to understand that we are still talking about young people that are being pulled in many different directions from not just a financial standpoint, but a social standpoint. And with all of this stuff being public Everyone wanting to grab at them because they're someone's ticket. And this isn't just big-time football players. You've got the, the gymnast at
0: LSU. You've got yes. the, 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 the pole vaulter at the, the whole Nebraska women's track and field team. The, this isn't just somebody because they're, they're a great football player. There's people with massive Instagram followings and Snapchat followings that are generating this kind of attention. This is across college sports. I mean, it's wild. Well, the only tip of this iceberg that we see above the water here, what's actually going on, we can talk all you want about Mike Bray and, and Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright retiring, but you might have a the coach of a fencing team that's dealing with this because of somebody coming in that, that's got 4 million Instagram followers.
2: Or is, is someone that's on track to be an Olympic fencer. Any of that. I mean... it. And, and I will say that as much... And it, I, I feel like there's a little bit of reduction that's going on with Andy. And I get it that it's a radio interview and whatever. I also think, of just from my experience of working inside of a university, okay, sure they're going to go ahead and just make the student-athletes employees. If you don't think that there's going to be a fight, and, and one that might not even be steeped in rational thought by the academics... At a university, to the concept of making student-athletes employees, you're crazy.
0: We're going to get very Super Bowly in the last hour of this show with Kevin Fishbane and a very special Super Bowl wall of sound that has been put together by Mike Rankin. And big game coverage on The Score Sunday is presented by Soda Weight Loss. That's S-O-T-A. Visit SOTAweightloss.com. Something pretty cool happened for Justin Fields that you might have missed.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually really awesome, and maybe it'll keep people from wanting to trade him. We'll discuss that next here on The Score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Man,
0: Bernstein and Holmes, best show in radio. I love it, boys. Middays 10-2 on 670 The Score. Yeah. The The
1: Best!
2: You see that the dear boy himself? Herb Lawrence was here. He looks awesome. Yeah, he does. He's in good shape and good spirits. Yeah, he's doing well. He's got some money in his pocket, he got a pretty lady, he got himself a dog. All in his pocket? No, oh, no, okay. no. Oh, okay. No. Cuz I missed that. Oh, the dog might fit in his pocket. Oh, he's a little dog guy. No, he's got a corgi. He got a really cute corgi. You know? He's doing well. I love it. Good I to love see Herbie. I love when we start kicking him out the house. <laughs> I love it. That's like my favorite thing. Like when when the producers are like, Yeah, so there's this take the job <laughs>
0: Well, unless unless it was like this guy, his name is Hernandez, yeah, and he's he's really rich, and he's he's got all this Dom Perignon, and yes, and and that's
2: when we were like, don't
0: take the job. That's when
2: I said to some people, you you
0: might want to do a little
2: research, but yeah, the money, there's so much money. I said,
0: yeah, yeah, I I I know, but you might want to find
2: out. Yeah, Herbie and I did like a cost benefit analysis and everything, and it's good. Like when you see them graduate and they succeed and they're doing well. It's nice, and it's also nice that he brought me a Mister T shirt, like here, I a can... Mister T shirt. Yes. So let me see. I forgot yeah. where he got it from, I, and I can't open it because I'm weak. But I'll try. I'll show you, real man,
0: real man, be able to open
2: a plastic bag with a shirt in it. All right. So here it is. This is like an old WWE. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this is great. I, I, I don't. I don't know if that's great or terrible. It's great, first of all, because it's got. All Clubber Lang stuff here in it, and it's got gold and it's got the T. So, Herbie had said to me that he wanted wow. whoever he got these from, he wanted me to have it. And because he knows that I know Erica Nicole Clark, that I'm supposed to get this to her too. So, I am going to. She probably has one. She might not. You know, she's, she's a good collector of stuff with her dad on it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this one that I open and I'm gonna send her the other one and see how it goes. But yeah. the name is Mr. T. First name is Mr. Middle name is that period, last name is T. Listen and listen good. I'm talking to you. When a new kid moves in on your block, what's your attitude? Do you figure what do we need him for? Well, I pity the fool that makes that mistake. The friends you already got. Might not be all the friends you ever need. And when you keep new people out, just because they're new to you, you're only cheating yourself. So don't you ever write nobody off just because he's the new kid on the block. You'll never know what you might be missing till you get to know them.
1: So take it from me,
2: Mr. T. You damn right. Also, the thing that we promised you before the break. Guess who got an MVP vote? Wait, Jack Sanborn. Wait. (laughs) It's probably better if I say it this way. Guess who tied for ninth for most valuable player in the NFL? Jack Sanborn. No, it was not not. Jack Erlacher. No, you're sure? Okay. Justin Fields. He got a fifth place MVP vote, which tied him for ninth in MVP voting with other guys that got like one vote. That's about right. So, Justin Herbert. Geno Smith, Tua Tonga, Vaivlova, Trevor Lawrence got a fourth and a fifth place vote, so he's ahead. But Justin Fields got an MVP vote. That's all.
0: I think I know why you like Mister T. Also,
2: why he's a Lawrence with a U. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's that part. There's also you know Dunbar High School, him representing the mm-hmm. South Side oh, like at all times and clubber Lang being from the south, basically from where I'm from, like basically being from 111th and Halsted. So, hell yeah, I roll with Mr. T. we got Kevin Fishman. And I pity the fool
0: that doesn't. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll talk Bears talk Super Bowl and that will lead us into a you're not going to want to miss this wall of sound because we've had a lot of really smart people talking about the game itself and as we're finishing up our week that's the time to get kind of game focused and we're going to do that on the other side of Friday Fish on the score.